Hi, everyone. Welcome to the, I don't know, unknown episode of <laughs> the Single Thread, the Yarn Podcast. It's been a while since we've spoken to you guys, and we wanted to do kind of a summer recap and welcome back to school episode with Maggie Riddle, who is now a second year at MIT Sloan. Here's Maggie to briefly introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Like Elena said, I'm Maggie. I'm second year, first day of classes were today, so that was very exciting uh, to rejoin Zoom University. Um, but just briefly, background on me, I grew up in Connecticut. I'm one of four girls. I stayed in the New England area and went to Tufts, where I played basketball. And then I uh, continued to be in sports, uh, but knew I couldn't play basketball professionally, so I just chose to work on the front end of office for, for sports and work for the Patriots. Um, and consulted for a little bit, and now I'm at Sloan. We'll continue with our little tradition of looking back on where we first met our guests or our kind of favorite memories of them, and it's probably a little bit easier for me. In the <laughs> Maggie was part of the team that I worked on for the retail conference last year, and her talent really shined through early with her little quips about George and Martha Washington that I can't really recite verbatim, but I just remember being won over by your 180 characters. <laughs> Thank you. Very, very I'm quickly. honored. <laughs> uh, so I, I, this is my first time interacting with, with Maggie, but I will say your reputation precedes you. Uh, I've heard a lot about <laughs> your Insta story game, so you may be getting a request from me very soon. I love it. Love it. <laughs> your wit and creativity on Instagram, especially since COVID's broken out, has been nothing short of incredible, <laughs> remarkable, and worthwhile. Yeah, I've gotten I've gotten a fair number of teasers for this conversation, but like through Instagram <laughs> screenshots. I love it. I love it. No, I love Instagram. I think like for me personally, it's a creative outlet. And uh, I mean, I'll take your words. You said it, not me, but I am witty. Um, <laughs> but I like to... <laughs> I like to have fun with it. And I also just found, I mean, it, it allows my classmates and anyone who follows me to kind of see a different side of me, because I do feel, especially if you're working with me in the workplace or in the classroom, I just probably look very serious. And you may not know that I have this more fun side to me. So I definitely let those colors shine on that platform. Um, but also during COVID, it was really helpful for me to stay engaged and connected with my classmates. And I try to find humor and everything to and try to make light of any situation. So I was able to engage a lot with my classmates, even if it was a quick reaction to one of my stories um, or just taking screenshots of people on Zoom and tagging them. It was just a way for us to still connect and engage, even though it was virtually um, and just try to still have that shared experience of trying to persevere through analytics edge or just dealing with we're missing gala, but we're trying to recreate it, um, things like that. So I really feel involved, uh, feel connected, more connected with my classmates. And I do have random followers who I know they're my classmates, but we've never really met in person and I still feel connected with them. Which like, I guess that part in how school's going this year, especially will be like, different forms of friendships because yeah, like on a day-to-day -day basis, you could have people who follow you who you might not necessarily see, but you'd probably run into them in a hallway or in a club event or like something. And now you really just might never see them physically in person, which is yeah. a weird way to think about 
how do you be social in 2020, 2021? It is like, I'm not going to cross paths with them in E62, but maybe yeah. they'll tap my story. Like I will virtually maybe only run into them through that platform. So it is pretty crazy. So how was the first day of school? It was good. It was back to back. I was, I was in meetings and then classes. Um, I'm already behind on my reading. So there's that, but <laughs> I think in business school, you're not supposed to be on top of your, I know. <laughs> I feel like you're going to be doing it wrong if you're not doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but it's been good. I mean, it's interesting also, like I'm taking intro to ops and that has a few first years and it's one of those moments where I'm like, oh, those first years, you know, but I was totally them this time last year. Um, I can now empathize more with some of the complaints around some of the other programs that you are intersecting classes with. So, and yeah, I posted uh, on Slack, I already got engagement with that, trying to push everyone towards Slack instead of WhatsApp. So still trying to get that initiative <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> Is your year trying to reestablish any of the like Sloan traditions that kind of happen in first semester and whatever? So I'm, I always think of Latin party because that happens and like that's just so memorable in a way that it is I don't know how to explain it but other things that are but yes. other other fun things that presumably happen it's cool yeah so <laughs> for so pre-function obviously it could not be Sloan sponsored but it was great to see people organically even the first years they organically planned their own small trips um locally so they kind of took it upon themselves to do that. So that was great to see. My year, I didn't opt into this experience because it was nine days in the woods and I was I didn't want to opt into that. But um, they they pretty much rented out unused camp in New Hampshire, I, or wow. maybe it was Maine. So there's multiple cabins. Um, and so people, but at the end of the day, you could all go to the lake and it was multiple Sloanies. So they did that. So they called it like Sloan Business Camp. So they did that before the school kicked off. So that was a mini trip. Um, and I've just been doing many trips here and there with people. In terms of more fall traditions, like Beacon Hill Pub, I mean, we my class wasn't really into that <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> it's okay. We, it's not really a loss in our eyes. I personally, I advocated for Beacon Hill Pub. I like traditions. I wanted everyone to continue to at least see it out for last year and then maybe switch to the field. Um, but then the field is out of business, so. Oh, yeah. So in terms of any traditions like that, it's all secretive. <laughs> it can't like be be uh, communicated across any channel. We did. Um, wow. My friends and I we organized a like a water water gun capture the flag just to Fine. like you just squirt water guns. It was an excuse to just day drink, and we even like made a PDF because obviously we're business school students and a deck of the rules and the map of the field. And somehow that deck got back to the administration and that was just being communicated via WhatsApp. So it's, that's always creating a challenge. And obviously Sloan can't officially endorse any like C functions or anything yeah. like that. They're trying to bring back club quarantine. <laughs> Paul Buckley's looking for DJs. Paul Buckley. <laughs> the class of like 2024, 2025, once like there's like a real division between the ones who had seen pre-COVID Sloan and only post-COVID Sloan. That would yeah. be interesting to see how the culture shifts. And that's also like, so I'm a core fellow. So we're trying to talk through how do you, man, or not mandate, but how do you set norms for people? And mm -hmm. honestly, a lot of it, what I called out was that we are only seeing each other virtually via Zoom versus 
I could look over at what the second years were doing at this time in E62 Cafe. Like, were they enjoying themselves or like, were they, I don't know, planning a trip or doing something? Like, you know, you just had this observation, I would say, versus zero observation is occurring until we move in person. But even then, they're separating out the days of when first years are on campus versus second year. So it's just, it's hard to even lead by example, I would say, in a virtual environment. Yeah. What is it the core fellow experience been like? in a virtual world? A lot of answering Slack questions, a lot of which are the same questions. <laughs> um, a lot of the responses, like, I don't know the patience of Don and all of them. They always greet everyone. Hi, thank you for your question. And here's the answer. I'd be like, see above. Like, I would be so short with everyone. So um, they have a patience. I just don't. It's hard. I mean, there's also some, a lot of people had not even gotten to Cambridge yet. They hadn't even moved. So you're dealing with people or they, physically can't get in the country. So there's some core uh, fellies who they're from Brazil and now they are in the UK trying to get into the US through that embassy. So they're there in like a household of Sloanies who are all in the same situation, um, just trying to get in. But for the first month, they're all virtual. So you're just dealing with a lot of virtual Zoom and trying to foster those one-off, like mini conversations that we had like in between lunch um, at the Marriott or, mm, and trying mm. to replicate Warren Center, which is hard to do virtually. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think some people leaned into it and are leaning into, okay, it, it is what it is. Let me still try to create a, a great core team and others, I, I, I don't know how they will do. Well, a pretty big Sloan thing that you're taking on is the Sports Analytics Conference. And I want to give you Whoa. guys a shout out because what I'd heard was you got you and your co-partner, Lindsay, Lindsay, you and Lindsay are the first two females to co-lead this conference. So what's we that are. been like? That's awesome. First, what do you love about sports so much? And two, how do you envision SSAC running this year? Yeah, so sports for me, I was an athlete all my life. My dad played football in college and my mom she likes going to games. She was more of the stats person, I would say. So literally, I'm the combination of the two of them. I was always just an athlete. And also, I was overweight as a kid, but I was very good at sports. So even though I was fat, I was always picked first in kickball because <laughs> I was really good. Um, and it was just something where I don't know, like I wasn't I was never bullied for my weight or any of that, because mainly because I was really good at sports. And that Obviously, I stopped being, I grew, um, and <laughs> I just uh, was still good at sports, but it was a huge part of my life. I played it in college, and I just personally, there's so many lessons that you learn being on, the t on a team that are so transferable for life in general. Yeah. So perseverance, there are many come from behind wins that I've been a part of that where it's just like you don't give up, and that grit and the kind of the work you do when no one's watching is very much something, just a work ethic that I've carried with me in my career. So it's been a passion, I would say. Um, I was very fortunate in that I had an opportunity and the timing was right that a position opened up at the Patriots. And that was just, to me, fascinating as well, because there's so much analytics behind customers who are going to the games, not only based off of primarily their actions on the phone, but you can also then map back how many games have they attended, um, did they purchase online after a win? Um, and you have just so much tracking on the behaviors from start to finish that you can use data to help shape that behavior. And I really like consumer psychology. So it was kind of the mix of both worlds where 
you have um, the ability to still be in sports, but obviously not on the field doing it, but you're still a fan and using data to help drive the business. And how do you see the, can you pronounce it SAC or SSAC or Sports Conference or Sports Analytics? I call it SAC, but I think people don't know what I'm talking about. So, so then I said to say Sloan Sports Analytics Conference and that's a mouthful. But yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, Lindsay, her and I are friends and it's been great to work with her mainly because we, I feel like we have the same brain. Um, so that's been very easy for me. There've been times when it's like, we're calling each other at the same time and we go to voicemail because the other person's trying to call them. And we just, I'm like, oh, I'm going to say this. Does this look good? She's like, yes, I would say the same thing. So that's been very easy just because in group projects, it's not, ultimately it's a huge group project. You don't always get that. So I feel very lucky. Um, we're also very excited that to be the first two female co-leads. We love that representation. And for us, diversity is a huge initiative that we're trying to push for uh, this year's conference, whether that be having more diverse speakers and on actual panels, or is it having more diverse sponsors of people from businesses that are minority owned, or just trying to see every aspect of the conference, whether it be the vendors we're working with, how we can just improve the diversity and foster those connections, as opposed to just doing what's been historically done. So we're hoping that it will look different, not only on who's on the organizing committee, but who's also on stage, but then also who's on the back end of sponsorship booths and all of that. And obviously we're still, we're kind of planning in parallel uh, our conferences in 2021. We're hoping we're, we will likely push it back to April. We're hoping that that could have some in-person component, mm-hmm. obviously not at the magnitude and like in previous years, they've gotten up to over 3000 attendees. Like, I don't think yeah. we can do that. So we'll have to do a smaller amount, but then just look at how we can create a very well done online version that people would want to pay for, pay access for, um, and kind of do a hybrid in that sense. So a lot of moving parts and it's, it's a lot to deal with even without a, even outside of a pandemic. So being in a pandemic, it's just leading in ambiguity in (laughs) real time. So. <laughs> I, I guess a question for you, I feel like it's also an interesting inflection point for sports in the U.S. I, I don't follow American sports, but I, I follow tennis. And I think at least what's been happening in tennis has been very interesting for mm-hmm. me to see, whether it's Naomi Osaka or them potentially, you know, stopping the days of play, which is stuff that I've never seen in, in my lifetime. So I'm curious how you see that potentially taking on a character and how your team will think about the conference and if politics does play a role in sports for you and what that means. Totally. Yeah. Another thing I love about sports is the fact that so many athletes use their platform for something else. And you also just see like sports, this is so cliche, but sports brings all walks of life together. Um, It's very equitable. Like I play basketball. That's extremely equitable. You just need a hoop and a basketball. You don't really need a lot of equipment. Sports is just inclusive in it of its own self. And it's great to see the athletes and hopefully now the business owners of teams and the general managers get behind all of this and understand the platform they have. And also, hey, we want to raise awareness to Black Lives Matter and you are sticking us in a bubble, we're not going to play tonight. Like, you know, like we're not your puppeteers. I personally am all, I'm here for that. And I hope it helps their cause. I hope it helps the movement. It's something that can't be ignored. And I'm hoping that due to being an analytics conference, I'm hoping that you can show the athletes and give them a platform to speak to the causes they want. But then you can also tie it back to say, how can analytics help your cause? um, Or how can analytics create more diversity and hold companies accountable? 
Um, so I think there's still analytics, it still can tie in very nicely to the conference and an analytical viewpoint. I love that you brought up the idea of equitable sports. I used to work downtown Manhattan by Battery Park, and it's right along the Hudson River. And sometimes I would walk home, and on that path are, I want to say, two or three basketball courts. And what I found beautiful was there are always groups of seemingly random men who are playing basketball together. And I found that beautiful. I do find it beautiful present day. And I've always wondered, what is that equivalent for women? And yes, I know that women can play basketball. I know that a woman could join that court and play with them. But for the most part, we don't. I wouldn't. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm always trying to think of what are the ways that women can randomly socialize without considering whatever context we are so that we can participate in some activity together and just have a moment about that. And we don't even need to talk to each other after, like just enjoy that moment. And I don't know what that is, but I find that really beautiful about basketball. Yeah. And I mean, I will say also, like I played collegiate basketball and I still didn't like going to the club basketball events at Sloan. Like I, I went to a few pickup games and it was just this sense of tokenism. And I already feel like, I, I already feel like my male peer, there's already so much pressure to be a female in business school, I feel like, or in life. <laughs> You're just constantly trying to show up over 100% just to have your male counterparts accept you for who you are, where they can just show up as they are. And then in basketball, it was, it just felt like, again, I was the only female. And it's like, even if I messed up once, oh, I missed a shot. Like, of course, I'm going to miss a shot during pickup. But then it's like, oh, the way the gender, my gender, I'm letting yeah. my gender down. <laughs> and it was just, I mean, for me personally, I find, I actually find boutique fitness. I am able to connect with a lot of my female, those who call themselves athletes or non-athletes. Like, I would say that in my head is the equivalent of a pickup game just because it's like, oh, do you want to go to this workout class? And then yeah. usually we go grab a smoothie after or brunch or when we used to have those routines. <laughs> um, but so I would like do that equivalent. But I would love to have find a way where females are more like want to join a pickup game and they don't feel as if there shouldn't be any reason why they shouldn't should feel uncomfortable doing that, you know, or I guess more welcoming. I don't know. And maybe that's a personal thing. Like every single guy in the men's basketball team was, or club basketball, they were like always so welcoming and always trying to get me to go. But I just was like, I'd rather go work out at my gym to get my exercise. So from school in the era of COVID, it sounds like what you're having to do quite often and you will probably continue to do until graduation is just being resilient and ready to pivot at a moment's notice. And I would love to talk a little bit about what that means kind of for your anxiety or your day-to-day -day or a big part of going to B-School is planning for something, right? Whether it's planning for a class or G-Lab or that trip or internship and full-time recruiting, it's really hard to plan for all those traditional hallmarks now. How are you feeling about that? How do a lot of your classmates feel about it? I assume everyone feels quite differently about it. Yeah. I personally, for me, like I came into business school being like, okay, I'm going to recruit sports retail, which fortunately that worked out for me. And I did that. 
um, but now they're in a hiring freeze. So it's like, okay, <laughs> now what? Um, you have to think more broadly, Maggie. Um, but then also it's like, okay, so I wanna do this club. I know that everyone does Israel Trek. So definitely signing up for that and like making sure I was pretty much looking, okay, what did the people do the year above me? And okay, during that timeline, those are the different milestones that I will also be doing and looking forward to doing. So Southeast Asia trip, I was looking forward to doing that with you, Elena, yeah. RIP. <laughs> but like stuff like that, um, Israel Trek, Spring Gala, all of those milestones, it was very much the spring was a period of grieving, I felt like. And um, that was a term that I feel some people were categorizing and I, it relates to me and just managing my anxiety around that. It's almost, I like having, like you were saying, I like having a plan, having, knowing when looking in my future, what milestones I have to hit and just creating a plan to how to make, hit my goals. So it was very hard for me. And I also recognize that I, I have anxiety and depression prior to business school and I never really dealt with that. And I think I got into business school and then it was go, 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 go. And you kind of have all these attractive events or things that just distract you. Um, whereas COVID, when you're quarantining and you're, you have a lot of time <laughs> to think, and especially if you have anxiety for the future and no one knows what the future is going to look like, it just perpetuates. So I recognize that I was definitely like relying on, I, I, I joke about this with my friends and it, it's not a joke, but like I definitely ate a lot of edibles throughout like <laughs> throughout H4 um, that got me oh, yeah. through like, a lot of nights and I mean I joke like in hindsight we look back at how much I was like consuming that and it was just it, it's laughable but then I just also recognized like hey that's not really sustainable so like I started going uh MIT Sloan I will give them props or MIT Medical they have great access to therapists so I started seeing a therapist and obviously virtually and that's been good um and just trying to identify things that in the pre-COVID world, like I know working out, I know, okay, I'll listen to this playlist to have it be an upper, things like that just weren't working for me anymore. And so the coping mechanisms I had just weren't working. So I've been finding helpful as a therapist. And then also just being vulnerable with my classmates. That's something that I'm trying to do more of. So my ocean over the summer, each of us signed up to send out an email, giving an update of the summer. And all of the emails literally were like, my wife's pregnant, or I just got engaged, or like, there were all these milestones, and I'm like, sitting all alone in my apartment, like, well, I have a roommate, but I'm just sitting there like, wow, like, I'm like, so I started out my email being like, I've done, so I haven't gotten engaged, like, and I haven't gotten a TikTok, like, that's milestones for me, um, but then I also just use that platform to be like, hey, like, Everyone has been saying it's been a rough time, but like here are the resources that I've been using. And so nice. I cited the MIT um, Mental Health, um, the Mindfulness Club. You can mm. get a free premium subscription if you signed up through them. So I'm doing Headspace and just also just kind of raising a flag with your classmates and friends. And I've honestly felt like I've had more vulnerable conversations with my classmates. And once I start opening up about my anxiety or my depressive episodes, it then leads to them being like, hey, I actually am going through this too, or I've dealt with this in the past. And then that leads to another people, person feeling psychologically safe to say like, hey, actually my family member's going through this. So it's just, it, it created a more, um, I guess, psychologically safe space for me with my classmates, which I wasn't really expecting going into Sloan. I don't do as many edibles now too. <laughs> I just cut that, guys. <laughs> I think what you said is actually something that I have personally reflected a lot on is that when I reflect on my time at Sloan I was like wow 
how are people's lives like neatly tied up gift boxes that you could you know it's like engagement marriage mm-hmm. baby and meanwhile like my parents are like so you're still single and like it's 11 a.m and you just woke up what do you yeah. do <laughs> like what do you do with your life and it was just so weird for me to internalize that no like I don't actually I, I will never have the 360 view of what people's lives are and they're probably skimping corners somewhere this is me doing what I got to do for this period of time but there was so much rationalizing going on because there are so many people around you that seem like they're haves and you're internalizing your world as like a have not mm-hmm. um so what you said really really strongly resonated with me yeah, totally. And I think also, like, obviously, I love Instagram, but I also think it's a double-edged sword because Instagram and social media, it's just a highlight reel. So you honestly log on to those platforms and it's like, oh, my high school friend who I don't even talk to anymore, she's pregnant. Or like, oh, this person just got married. Like, it's all these highlight reels when so many people, because it's not aesthetically pleasing to see someone who's depressed on Instagram. You know, like, you're not, yeah. it's not great content. Um, so it's there's so much more that's going on behind and I think that's why you really honestly never know what your classmate is going through and it's those that's why especially I miss those those touch points in between classes where you can bump into someone and yes it's like hey how are you but like you can tell if someone's stressed or if there's someone else something else going on and you can you could utilize that time to really kind of probe further and just make sure that you they know that they have you as a support system. So I feel like we've touched on this topic a little bit in some of the other episodes, but now that we get a fresh take, what is it like to be a single lady in the class of 2021 <laughs> at MIT Sloan? It sucks, but I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> um, no, no, it has gotten better. I I joke. Um, first year, it was very much, it was kind of shocking the amount, the, the percentage breakdown of how many people are already wiped up yeah and I like honestly I took a photo on my pre-function where it's like all the couples were putting sunscreen on each other and I'm like okay I guess I'll do this myself like it was just (laughs) mind-boggling like it was just insane so and then but I will also say that everyone with an SO like it's been so refreshing to see because their relationships are so equal like you know it's not like which is so refreshing to see and I'm like okay this does exist it's not just something I saw my parents do it's like our generation can do it too um and so like that's been great to see um I was expecting a turkey drop that didn't happen um and but I will say um there has been I haven't come up with this term but someone else did there's been COVID cracks and there have been some breakups so the inventory has expanded Okay, so there's, <laughs> okay, so there, um, I'm learning so much. <laughs> so there's, uh, like, there, there was a WhatsApp group called MIT Tinder, which it never really hit the ground running at all. Um, and I honestly think we should have optimized and combined classes. So maybe I'll reach out to some first years and be a cougar. I don't know. But um, so there's that. Um, I guess with, when it comes to COVID, like also going into Sloan, I was like, all right, I don't want to be, I don't, like, I wasn't going to mix business with pleasure. I was like, whatever. But then COVID hits and it's like, all of us are getting tested two times a week. And I'm like, I feel safer making out with this Sloanie than I do someone who I've been chatting with on the dating apps. It, so it's just, it's I've kind of, 
let that guard down, I would say. Not that I'm going crazy. I, I don't want it to perceive it like that. But it's just like you, like if I were to date someone, I'd be like, I would be 10 times more comfortable going on dates with a Sloney than a non-Sloney at this point due to the testing. And then there's also just people like you are, due to the fact that you have to do small group hangouts mm-hmm. and then you kind of get your quarantine. It's just, you kind of, you just foster these touch points where it's like, okay, this person is comfortable doing this activity of like going, I don't know, traveling to New Hampshire, whereas some people are like, I don't want to travel with a group. So you kind of are self-selecting in that sense and you're kind of being forced to hang out with the same few people. So there's always room for for love to blossom with that those interactions. I love this optimism. I personally <laughs> never felt it at Sloan, but it is beautiful to see. <laughs> Well, that's why you just have to have fun with it. Like I did it for that. I did that Instagram story to all the second year boys I loved. Like that was, I think I peaked with Instagram with that. But um, that, I mean, it's just like the, and it's like, okay, now looking at the, or the photo books of like the first years and be like, hmm, I wonder. It's always like, I need to control my facial expressions because it's always like, you do the conversations like, hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And then you're just waiting for them to be like, and my fiance, she's moving with me. Like you're just waiting for it to drop. And I'm like, stay the same face of like no disappointment. (laughs) But I don't know. So So, yeah, it hasn't improved. Um, I mean, it's improved in the sense that there's more options. Mm. Are are those options being optimized and being taken part of? Probably not, but it's at least good to know. To your point as well on the inner class thing, I thought it was so weird that there was, this weird artificial division between first year and second year and and I realized like a lot of the first years are my age or older but in my mind I was like I'm a senior and you're a freshman and uh, I don't know why all of those things existed totally if you were a first year now what would you wish for yourself to like just in terms of brain mindset and mentality on how you're going to approach this crazy Sloan adventure what are some words of wisdom that you would have certainly as a core fellow or as Maggie. Um, Cause I remember going into core, I kind of just went into it cause I was like, everyone's doing the same thing. So it's going to be fine. And it was rougher than I expected. Zoom university will present its own set of challenges. And I wonder what wisdom you have. I would say, don't be afraid to raise your hand within your core team or find some group that you can be vulnerable with in the sense of asking that silly question. That was something that I think took me a bit longer than I would have wanted to during core. Um, And also just understanding that you're not going to be besties necessarily with your core team. Like I love all my core team members individually. I don't think we worked well as a team and that was kind of painful, especially near the end. Like individually, we get along great. Um, And I'll probably do more other group projects with them, just like with other people in that group, just kind of managing your expectations around that. And also it's just, I personally, like, I definitely came here to Sloan to network and to learn as much as possible from my friends or from my peers and who are now my friends. I would also just encourage the discussions that you have in the classroom. Yes, they're engaging. They're great. But a lot of what I've learned most from my classmates has been over small group dinners, or just like taking a step back where you're just like, oh, you just went, you told me this crazy story about how you did this crazy project here, or it was with this client, blah, 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 like what have you, everyone has those stories, or it was a very vulnerable moment that they were telling me about their family, um, or like any fears they have for their career, stuff like that. It's always been outside the classroom. So I know, obviously, with a pandemic that 
create some challenges around that um so just like get creative and how to do that safely but so i would just encourage trying to build relationships outside the classroom because those are the most meaningful not necessarily what you're going to learn or read in a case how has your outlook changed given the internalization of a virtual school experience and obviously your intern experience what's been that shift for you so it's definitely been trying to just accept the fact that I'm I'm doing an experience that I was not I didn't sign up for and it's not trying to manage my expectations of it's not what I expected there's nothing you can do about it that's out of your control like try to control the controllables but with that being said I do over the summer just doing the small groups and, and maybe like ignorance is bliss I didn't go on Israel check I didn't do those crazy trips so maybe these moments were happening in general but I like to compare it to the bachelor or the bachelorette like Sometimes I think business school, you kind of see, because again, it's like via Instagram or a highlight reel of all these trips people are going on. And, but then I always would wonder, like, if you took away that glitz and glammy trip, how authentic was that connection that you had with that classmate? Was it the fact that you guys took a shot at LaFab that one time? Or is it because you actually know about that person's family, their struggles, their background? The fact that my class has, we've been removed all that glitz and glam, it's very much zoom happy hour or like let's go to the dome again and like stuff like that but it's we're forcing ourselves because also there's nothing like especially over the summer it's not like we're going on any crazy trips so it's like yeah. the small chat is gone it's like everyone yeah. is just talking about COVID and COVID yeah. has forced some crazy issues on or not issues but it's changed families and it's some people have lost loved ones and there's the Black Lives Matter movement like all these crazy hard topics are occurring and we are having we are being forced to talk about that with our classmates and so I, I would rather have those conversations all day than hey we got a cool shot of us at the Dead Sea like I would rather have that and it's the quality over quantity and I feel as though down the line like yes I already know that I have an open invitation to go to my friend who lives in Israel his family they're like yeah there's no Israel check like five years from now, come visit us. We can do our own Israel trek. So it's just stuff like that. It's just, I feel like I've gotten more like the vulnerability with my classmates, which I don't, sometimes I think can get glossed over when you're constantly crazy itinerary, crazy trip or hustling, bustling and moving here and there. Like we've been forced to stop and just talk and interact with each other. Shifted it that way. I mean, that's huge. I, I, I obviously reflected or a lot of us reflected a lot towards our graduations at Sloan. And I was struck by how superficial I felt aspects of my first year were. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of it is the challenge of you are only with your ocean and then you're meeting a lot of people networking, not don't necessarily know who your friends are always. But I think one of the challenges that I had was, you know, there were the midterm elections in 2018 and I didn't know who, who was talking about it or that people cared about it. And it is the level of engagement that has had to happen digitally and force people, like you said, into conversations made me feel so much better about Sloan as a place because I was like, oh, people really do care about this stuff. Mm -hmm. I just don't know why it didn't come up any sooner than mm -hmm. 2019, I guess, but it that that was like something I actually freaked out a lot about first year where I was like, I was so used to such a high level of engagement in undergrad and I'm not seeing it here in that same way. Yeah, I totally agree. And I actually like I've chatted, chatted with that with my friends of how there does seem to be this lack of 
like engagement or giving back to the community. I felt like that was a huge thing being an active citizen at Tufts, my undergrad, and everyone had a cause they were fighting or like advocating for. Um, and I just felt I didn't feel that as much at Sloan. And that was surprising because like every business should have a, a charitable arm to it. So like, that's going to be like, and also we're good people. So and we're all like yeah. nice loading. So <laughs> you would think that would come with the territory. And I think it is the fact that you have to, like, it doesn't come up necessarily in the classroom or some of the experiences that a business school experience has. And so it is through, like you were saying, Instagram or those other, other platforms where you're like, oh no, this is a part of your life and you do it. It's just, it's not, I haven't seen it that side of you. One thing I would have loved to hear actually is I think yeah. the being one of four sisters is, I mean, to me, that's awesome. And I'm sure has informed how you thought about being a woman in sports and the industries that you are thinking about. So I'd love to to hear about how that has shaped your, your perspectives. Yeah. Um, so one of four girls, I have two older sisters and one younger sister. Um, and my younger sister were 14 months apart and our ages are all very close. Wow. So yeah. yeah, so it it was great. I I have three best friends already uh, off the get go, so that was awesome. Um, it was definitely we had to share resources, and we would try to anytime my younger sister wanted to borrow one of my clothes, I would. This is more in high school, but I'd be like, if anyone compliments you, you have to tell them it's my shirt <laughs> and it's not your shirt. And so it was very much like we were also we all played sports, so we were on the teams together. So it was we like it's hard not to be competitive and to not yeah. compare yourself, especially when it's just like an apples to apples comparison. Um, so there's that element, but it, it was awesome. And it's also, I mean, kudos to my dad and the relationship he has with my mom. Like my mom, like they do not hold the same, like the normal gender roles you would in the household. Like my dad does all the cooking. My mom does the finances because she manages money better <laughs> than he does. Um, my dad, like whenever we would do back to school shopping or like, I remember my dad's big thing was like for all our interviews in college, he's like, well, you have to go get like a, a business suit or like a business outfit for your interview. So like he would be the one taking us clothes shopping. Whereas like my mom was like, uh -huh. I don't want to do that. So, <laughs> so she would just stay home. Um, so it was like very much like, obviously we were a household of five females. So in my world, like the female's voice, not only was it equal, but it was always the majority and it was probably right. So, so I kind of grew up uh, knowing that and also kudos to my parents, like anything that I, they never said I couldn't do anything due to my gender like it's not like oh where some of my friends like they're like oh my parents would let uh, my brother do this but like I was never allowed to do that as a girl whereas like we didn't have that it was like are you interested in this will it occupy you go um so that was good um and also it's just I don't know yeah like it's I I think sports also like I was saying earlier where it's just like it forces my dad always encouraged me even though I was the only girl who wanted to play pickup basketball at, at recess, he was like, no, that's how you get better. You have to play against the boys, go and like ask them. So I'm very open to approaching men so <laughs> at an early age. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I learned that. Um, but yeah, so it's just, I think my parents fostered equitable household and you can do whatever you want, no gender disparities or any of that. But it just so happens that we're all female for the most part. So except for yeah. my dad. So um, yeah, it's been great. You um, briefly mentioned that you're kind of a combination of your mom and dad's respective interests in sports. Do mm -hmm. any of your siblings also work in the sports-related industry? No, I was the only one. Um, so my dad's a dentist, my mom's a radiologist. So 
my oldest sister, wow. she went and became a dentist. Um, and then my oh, second wow. oldest sister, yeah, she's an OBGYN. So like they went the medical route. And then um, my younger sister, Kelly, she works on the Hill for Senator. Um, and there's a lot of comparisons with politics and sports industry of just how it's like mm. the sexy title and so competitive to get into, but it's, you don't get paid a lot at all, but it's very, it's, it's a really cool experience. Like she got to write a bill and stuff like that. So it's, wow. I would say like that is the, her and I are the ones that veered off from the medical track, um, and rebelled, but You're crazy. So my parents also they like are so supportive. I know, <laughs> I know such a rebel. They must be so disappointed. I know. <laughs> no, but like they, they honestly, my parents, like they don't, they can't wrap their head around business school. They're like, so why do you go on a trip before school starts? Like they, they don't understand any of that. And that, that was hard with COVID uh, trying to talk with my family of trying to communicate, like, this is why I am so sad because yeah. I am missing this event. And when you articulate that event it's like oh a mansion that you rented out with your classmates in Newport like wow Maggie <laughs> like that's such a loss like you know you sound like such the 0.001 percent but it's yeah. very hard to like it was very hard for them to for me to feel supported by them because it, they because they didn't know how to support me because I <laughs> couldn't communicate effectively it is it is weird to convey to someone that this is a unique degree and that literally all that matters is your ability to build relationships with people because this is your future network. And mm -hmm. it is very hard on the outside. Like with my parents, they were like, so you can actually save some money and not start <laughs> school or not start working again poor. And I was like, that's one way of looking at right. it, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. my mom, my mom's like, you're making this back, right? And I'm like, yeah, mom, I will. And now it's like recession. <laughs> hiring pieces and I'm like yeah mom don't worry it'll happen like <laughs> she's like okay <laughs> that's what the network is for help you find that help you find that job yeah, yeah. I guess I'll say thank you to Maggie for breaking the ice and being the first member of the class of 2021 to do this podcast and we're excited to cheer on from the sidelines and maybe intercept every now and then thanks for having me wake up in the morning, up in the morning.